Hey, everybody. Absolutely stunning news over here this week. We have a video version of this week's episode available on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash late night. Go over there, sign up at any tier, and you'll have access to it. Once again, that's patreon.com slash late night. Now, enjoy the show. Every once in a while, though, Aaron pops up with a new gadget that, like, catches my eye. Oh, yeah, the fucking TV glasses. That's just amazing. TV glasses. Talk to me about TV glasses. I was on Twitter or something, and there was, like, an ad uh, for, like, AR glasses. And they weren't advertising the AR aspect of it so much because it sucks. Um, (laughs) As as much as it's just, like, a 1080p screen that you can just wear glasses. And and it's, like, like, it projects. It's, like, one one thing or it's like two yeah, yeah. classes. So when you put on the glasses, it's just USB-C, whatever device, Android mm-hmm. or whatever. If you just plug it in, it just instantly works. And oh you, Ugh. you plug it in, you put it on and then it makes it look like there's like a 200 inch TV in front of you. 1080p crystal clear. It's amazing. In case you wanted to be more in your phone. I I'd do it to play video games and stuff. Right. But you could put your phone into it. Yeah, yeah. So like, I was thinking about like doing like meditations with it. It'd be so cool. Like, yeah, you could have any visual. Cool. But because it was made to be AR, like the default is that it puts the screen like in front of you, and then you can see through it, right? And you can right. see the world around you. But it yeah. comes with little like a blackout thing that you can put on, so it's just a screen. And I played through like the last half of Chrono Trigger on it, and it was <laughs> one of the greatest experience i was just laying in really? bed like completely on my just playing it and it's just like right up here it follows me wherever i go it's called the Real air Real air okay it looks stupid as hell but <laughs> it's, it's amazing it's so cool we did a field trip today with audrey's school and i was talking with another parent like i am scared about pulling the vr trigger with Aww. her like you know what i mean and, and because it's yeah. like she plays video games Quite a bit, and which is fine with me. I mean, and we, of course we limit it, but it's like that feels like for a kid moving to another level. And I'm curious when, like, if it was just me and Rachel, I wouldn't care. But having that in the house, we did the Nintendo Labo, Labo, however you say it. Yeah, yeah. Which was like a mini step in that direction. That was a while ago, though. It was a while. I mean, that was probably like four or five years ago or something. And it's cool. Like, she really liked it at the time, but there's a lot of stuff going on with that. Right. You have yeah. to like hold the thing up. It's and, kind of advanced. Yeah. Putting the thing together is fun. Did you ever do those? Uh, Did you ever yeah, put one together? I, I, Game yeah. Grumps did around the office and it was pretty involved. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was like, if I was a kid, I would flip out over this because this is so cool. But as an adult, I was like, I get it. And then moved on. Honestly, that's kind of what it was. And this was, you know, a few years ago. So like even, a you know, shoot, like how old was she? Probably five or six at the time. Even at six, she thought it was awesome for like a day and then never went back to it. She much rather would play Mario Kart or, you know, whatever else. She knows what she likes. Yeah. Yes. She knows what she likes. That gamer is Minecrafting now. Oh, Oh. so she's a Minecrafter now. Super Mario World's opening. I thought she was a huge Mario fan. Well, actually. So I have not told her this yet, but she and Rachel have annual passes because they got them when I was out of town on tour. Uh, so I got them reservations. Rachel knows, but Audrey doesn't. To one of the preview days for oh my god, uh, Nintendo World. Yeah, she's going like to explode with a happiness. Couple of weeks. Yes, wow. that's fantastic. 
you know, we watched the video of the one in Japan and she like lost her entire mind over it. So, oh I'm gosh, I can just see her now, like all the little like punch up squares and like all the restaurants yep. and ah, oh my God. She knows that there's one here, right? Yes. Oh, she, she knows there's one here <laughs> and she knows that, you know, it's like very drivable from, from where we live. She actually, they went to Universal Studios with another friend, I don't know, a couple months ago in the last few months and you can see it, you know, it's right there. They're building it and yeah. they have stuff in the gift store already for it. She talks about it a lot, how it's oh. going to open up any day. So that's yeah. amazing. Oh my God. Yeah, and they're going to get to work on the Donkey Kong one too. What's the Donkey Kong one? Is there a separate Donkey Kong world? Yeah. So when the plans leaked, it was like a miniature, which was like fully fleshed out. And so that was like the big leak. And then next to the Mario one, there's a full same size Donkey Kong world. Really? I had yeah, no idea. So they haven't said anything about it publicly, but that was part of the leak. Wait, even in Japan, they don't have this or they do? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, they have the Mario world, but not the Donkey Kong. Right. Right. And they haven't started building anything. I swear I've seen photos of it, though. The mock-ups. Yeah. Like, those have been leaked, It's just, right? just the model is all that's out. And that was a leak. Like, we're not supposed to yeah. have seen that model. Wow. Um, oh, my God. So you can, like, jump through the warp pipe and go to different worlds? Like, oh, my God. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> or, like, a tropical freeze or Donkey Kong Country Minecraft, uh, minecart ride or something yeah. like that. I think there's definitely, like, minecart imagery. Yeah. I'm very excited. So we're, we'll we'll be there if all goes according to plan. In like two weeks, they will experience Super Nintendo World. That is amazing. In LA. Well, you guys grew up like near theme park. Wait, I didn't grow up near a fucking theme park. It's like insane to me. The idea of, oh, it's just right there. You know, this is so reachable from where oh, we yeah. live now. But I mean, that was pretty de rigueur for you guys, right? We grew up in Florida, so That's we what were I mean. kind of surrounded by theme parks. I grew up with a Bush Gardens pass. Oh. Basically, we dropped off at Bush Gardens with my twin sister every day during summer break, and we would just go and look at all the animals and ride all the rides. Right. And we they knew that park inside I out. Yes. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh, it's an amazing park. Like if you ever get a chance to go to Bush Gardens in Florida, always a good experience. And it was nice and clean and safe. I don't think they would like people to leave their kids there these days though. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's definitely like a step above like a Knott's Berry farm. Cause the coasters there are like really awesome. And a lot of them were like award-winning when they first came out. So really, mm-hmm. like I think, like um, Montu. Yeah. They had like a bunch of Egyptian artifacts and recreations too. They like recreated King Tut's tomb and like all the treasures and they had all kinds of like really cool sideshow pieces with that. That's awesome. I don't know. I really learned a lot from Bush Gardens. I think <laughs> going to a, a theme park as a kid was really cool. For us, like like most people, it was a special trip and we only ever went to the Orlando parks. And mm-hmm. that was like, I mean, if we did that more than twice when I was a kid, I'd be surprised. It might have been three times, but I, I feel like it was twice. Oh, yeah. In fact, I can tell you, I, I may have mentioned this to you at some point in the past. I remember the last time we went, I guess I would have been nine because I remember coming 1986, the living seas, you oh, know, very God, clearly yeah. on a board. And that was just when I was old enough to, we were in Epcot and it was my parents would let me take my sister in, you know, at night when the park had kind of cleared out a bit. And I remember going on the uh, the imagination ride. Oh, uh, uh, the journey one into with imagination. The yes, 
with figment before they completely fucked it up. <laughs> yeah. Original figment ride. Oh, damn. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that can be said for so many rides there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Actually, were, were you with us, Aaron, when we went through on tour? I'm not sure. I feel like I remember sitting next to you in Ellen's energy adventure and falling asleep. Yeah, that's when we were all tired. Yeah, yeah, that's sounds Yes, because we all went to Epcot, right? Yeah. Yes. So I remember being so excited for Journey into Imagination because I assumed it hadn't changed since 40 years ago. And I was like, what the fuck? Is that Eric Idle? You know, or whoever it was. Yeah, they had fucking Kramer in it. <laughs> right, yes. Yeah. Is it still there? I thought they took it out. No, I think they tore it down. Yeah. The thing I remember the most about it is it's like it's a journey into the senses. And then the entrance into two of the senses, like feel and taste, are blocked off. They're like, yeah, uh, those doors don't work. As part of the ride, like as part of the design of the ride, it, it was like textbook, set up a promise, set up an expectation, and fail to keep it. Did you know that Aaron and I used to work at a Disney theme park? I did, but I don't know anything about your actual experience doing it. Well, I made a cartoon about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I would like to talk about that because we, you and I haven't really talked about it that much except over email chains with 12 other people. Yeah. But let's talk about working at the theme park and then we can talk about the show. But actually first, look, I'm going to be professional, which I've tended to be over the last couple of episodes. I want to introduce the show right now. This is late in night. With Brian Wecht. But wow. Layton has taken... Thank you. I appreciate that. Layton is taking a few weeks off, and we have a co-host, a guest co-host for the next few episodes. I don't know exactly how many, but it's going to be a bunch. Everybody, Susie Burrow. Hi, everybody. Yeah, yeah. I'm just stepping in just for <laughs> a little bit, just for a couple episodes while Layton's on her break. So just thought I'd uh, step in. And uh, the first person you know that came to mind to invite uh, on the show would be Aaron, of course. Why is that? <laughs> uh, well, because we both did on late night before and we both really love right. the show and, uh, yeah. it's always a joy to come back. We, we talk yeah. about it all the time, you know, especially our favorite segment, what's popping. Oh, don't give it away. Oh, don't give yeah. it away. Everyone loves yeah, what's yeah. popping. Of course, yeah. it's our flagship segment and I promise you, we will get to that, but mm -hmm. not right the theme now. song is my favorite. Yeah. It's oh, well, believe me, it's new and improved for 23. So I think <laughs> you're really going to be pleased. <laughs> With, uh, with it this time. It's very, very exciting stuff. I could talk about it for the whole episode and am tempted to do so, but I feel like that would be a great way to alienate everybody. So That's your favorite thing. I'm surprised this podcast hasn't gone directly in that <laughs> direction since the beginning. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised you haven't renamed it to be like Brian Knight and like it's finally your time to like just do all of the sketches and things you've been wanting to do. To finally push Leighton out because of, you know, she's been a millstone around my neck for the entire run of this show so I can finally do the things I want to do. The time yeah, is nice, that's, yeah. That's true. But as you mentioned, Susie, we do have a special guest this week <laughs> who is a past guest on the show and someone that you know pretty well. Guest, who are you? My name is Aaron Hansen. I'm from Game Grumps, and I am also Susie's husband. We have been <laughs> together for a long time. For a long time. Yes. And I'm also your bandmate in Starbomb. That's true. Yes. 
I think we mentioned this at some point on the NSP tour, but there's there's Starbomb news we can discuss if you want. Go for it. I let you, know you have no, that. Watch, watch this. News. Watch this. Watch this. Stay tuned for Starbomb oh. news. You got to oh. listen to the episode. <laughs> That's kind of rude. Starbomb news is going to be at the very end, but not like the very, very, very end. That's right. They, you, we don't want you to just skip to it and find yeah. it. No. Here's what I'm going to promise. After two-thirds of the way through the episode, that's where at least some of the Starbomb news will be. Correct. We might breadcrumb this. Here's what I'm going to do. This will be really alienating. This is a good idea. (laughs) I'm going to write out a statement, which we will read one word at a time randomly throughout the episode so people can't just hear it. This is a really bad idea. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? So... Starbomb news. Okay. Okay. I'm going to drop the first word right now. Here. You know what? It's a short say. I'll text both of you the sentence, which is, yeah. it's a barn burner of a sentence. There it is. Okay. Ah, okay. Now this, now this is broadcasting. Okay. I'm going to start with the first word Ooh, now. Yeah. We. Okay. Okay. So we don't say the second word. <laughs> I'm not going to. Do you want me to tell you when to say the second word or do you want to? And Susie, we can alternate because we can all say it. Yeah, we both yeah, have yeah. it. I think yeah. we should. Do you want to just use your best judgment and figure out yeah, when to sure. say it? Well, I want to use my best yeah, judgment. Yeah, yeah. I want to just okay. throw it out there. Yeah. Great. Because I constructed. You know what? I actually I fucking did a great job with this. I'm going to take some points for myself. Give myself some credit here. The last word is important. <laughs> it's not filler. The sentence like every few words. There's a big revelation. So you couldn't yeah. stop this sentence like partway through and really understand the importance. You really worked out a real mastermind puzzle here. I really did. And by the way, when we say the next word, we shouldn't review the previous word. So that, oh. that previous yeah, word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to decoder ring it like a Christmas story. Yes, that's exactly right. Now, some jerk, and I'll be frank about that, is going to leak the timestamps. Or write it in the comment. That's true. Or write it in the comments. I'm going to say right now, those are not true late night fans. Yeah. Those are fake fans. Real Damn. fans listen fake to the episode. Fans. That's a call out, and I appreciate that. You, you bring the same energy that I like to bring to Game Grumps. Yeah, alienating. Yeah. That's right. Just, call just out like, the fans fuck everybody. You know what? You guys are weird. <laughs> it should be harder to be here than it should be to leave. Exactly. Yeah, you should be And that makes you stronger for being a fan, and I, and I respect you for it. That's right. Media should be an endurance test. Not exactly. something you enjoy, right? Oh, no. You want to see the real color of someone's character. Yeah. Thank you, Susie. That's exactly right. This podcast's a character building experience. It's not, <laughs> it's not for entertainment. It's for uh, uh, self-improvement. Soul searching. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I want to hear about more about working at these theme parks that you were talking oh, about. Oh, man. I didn't have a good experience. <laughs> so this is at Disney World or where? Yeah. When I was a senior in high school, we had somebody from Disney college program come to our high school and like try to recruit kids to come work at the parks. Cause you know, mm-hmm. like they're running out of people to run those parks. Like everyone in Florida has worked at those parks and have either been mistreated and left or fired or whatever. So they're just trying to get the new workforce right when they're coming up. Right. Before you know better. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they offered a college program where you get college credits and you get to go to Disney college and you get to live at Disney and you work at Disney. And uh, Disney College was like hospitality classes 
and working at the park was hellish. And what a shock. Basically, I got one day off a week if I requested it. I only got minimum wage. If you requested it? Yeah, it was Whoa. it was an internship. So they were allowed to do uh, a lot of things that I think were not supposed to be done. And I hear it's different now. But yeah, I did not have a good time. It's different when, you know, you see Mickey backstage and they're taking their head off and it's a girl yelling at her mom on her phone and smoking, <laughs> you know, like it just right. kind of ruins it for you. Yeah, that's usually a mini thing. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I I will say my love for the parks has come back. It took a long time. I was angry for a long time after leaving, but the magic has slowly resumed. But I still don't think that they treat their employees quite right. (laughs) That seems to be the consensus. Yeah. Yeah. Am I correct that Magic Kingdom is far superior to Disneyland? Oh, That was always my experience. Yeah. Great. I mean, so like Disneyland was the prototype. Disney World was like right. what they wanted it to be. So they bought all the land they wanted. And Disney World is actually on the second floor. The first floor is the tunnels. Oh, well, I didn't know that. Yeah. So like you can't have somebody walk into work in Tomorrowland and Frontierland close. So they right. have the tunnels so everybody can come into work, oh. get into costumes, do whatever they need to do, and then walk to their park. That's in both Magic Kingdom and Disneyland or just? Just in Magic Kingdom. Disneyland, Disneyland I think, I think has, has one tunnel, tunnels? like one. Yeah. But Magic Kingdom has like a whole network that connects the whole park. Yeah. Oh, wow. And they're kind and of they have, like They have like little trams and stuff down there to get around and stuff. It's like a whole operation. It's like the capital. It feels like, you know, in um, Independence Day when they're all like in those, those right. like bunkers and shit. That's exactly yeah, what yeah. it feels like. Huh. Yeah. So you guys had to go through that to work there. You were in there. I did. Aaron worked at, what's it called now? It's called Disney's Hollywood Studios, but it was called Disney MGM Studios when I worked there. And they didn't have tunnels. Instead, they had like massive racks of bikes and you could just grab a bike and then bike to where you needed to go backstage and then just leave it there. And then the next person would just pick up a bike and then ride it around. There was just communal bikes back there. I thought that was kind of cool. That's a cool idea. That was nice. Yeah. It was always a bummer when there was no bikes. Like you showed up for like the 3 p.m. <laughs> shift or whatever, and there was just no bikes. And you're like, ah, you got to walk all the way over there. Did you also have a bad experience there, Aaron? I guess. Yeah. It wasn't because of Disney, though. I mean, it was a job. And you were a teenager at the time. Yeah. And awkward and strange. And I wanted a job. So, well, when I went in, there's like a big hiring facility. You talked about that, right? No, I just mentioned that there was a person who came to my high school. But yeah, I went to many auditions with Aaron at the big hiring facility at Disney in Florida. Yeah. So there's a building where they do all the hiring and it's huge. And the kind of joke there is you walk in and then you walk out with a job. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. They've got something for everybody and they need. Yeah, you'll get a job if you go in there. So I went in there and I was like, I want to work rides and I do voice stuff. So I want to do a ride where I can talk a lot. And they were like, okay, well, you have two choices. You can do the safari ride at Mm -hmm. Animal Kingdom where you have to like drive a truck around like live animals. Yep. Or there's a ride called the Backlot Tour at Disney MGM Studios where you just kind of drive a tram and and go through all these different like movie props and stuff. Mm -hmm. And the the safari ride paid a dollar more an hour. And I was like, whoa, okay. But I got nervous. I was like, oh, I don't want to drive around animals. Uh, what if I hurt them? Uh, so I picked the Backlot Tour, and I so regret it because <laughs> that ride sucked ass. Uh-huh. And the team, which, you know, you've seen Happy Land, 
that pilot is based a lot on the people that I worked with there. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the, the most accurate one was Hyacinth. There was like a theater kid who uh, worked with, who I ended up like actually becoming friends with by the end. But there was another kid. They had their own clique, right? So they never invited me to anything. And they'd always talk loudly about parties they were all having with themselves. But then, uh -huh, of course, me. yeah. But there was the, the one kid who was into anime and anime music and shit. And so, like, when we get together, just me and him, we'd be like, oh, yeah, man, listen to this album. Yo, this is dope. I'll let you borrow it. But then when he was in the group, he'd be like, uh, yeah, whatever. I don't know you. So this is Harley from Happy Land. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But Harley's kind of a combination of two people because there was another guy uh, who was, like, the cool guy. And he wore, like, a leather jacket and shit when he wasn't working and stuff. And and he, he was like, oh, man, I've been here for a long time, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> who, who probably was like 22 or something. Yeah, it's like they're all working the backlot tour. Like, they're all weirdos. Like, it's not <laughs> like nobody's yeah. going to be like, whoa, dude, you're cool. Um, right. But there's one character that we wrote in the original pilot that we didn't actually get around to, to putting in. Um, and he's the lifer who, in my park, was this tall guy who had a twin. And they both worked at Disney. So sometimes, for a goof, they would do each would other's switch. shifts. Uh -huh. <laughs> like the most fucking stereotypical twin shit you've ever heard. How old-ish at this point? I believe they were in their late 30s, early 40s. Oh, okay. They were true lifers. Yeah. If you work there, there's a raise structure. So no matter what you do, after a certain amount of time, you get a raise. So if you work there for you know, 20 years, you're making a pretty substantial amount of money. So that's what they did. Because <laughs> I was going to ask, like, what's the best job? That's not like in the corporate offices or whatever. Like if you're in the park and the guests are seeing you, what is the best job you can get? Either a performer, like a, like a show performer, like an acrobat or something and like the Indiana Jones show or something. Oh, really? Or a face character probably, right? The face characters are pretty, pretty well. So like the only two jobs that you don't have to smile at in the park is oh, yeah. Hollywood Tower Hotel and Haunted Mansion. Every uh -huh. other job, there's someone walking around in plain closed outfits who will see you not smiling at your job and like look at you and be like. Really? Like, okay. Yeah, remind you to smile. But if you work in those two positions, you don't have to smile. Right, because you're supposed yeah. to be gloomy. Yeah. But if I had to pick a role, I think... I would want to be one of the VIP tour guides. That's what I was going to guess, oh, actually. Yeah. That was my guess, because it's like, That's you know. That's a good job. It seems you, so You get cushy. to walk around with. Celebrities or, yeah, yeah just like yeah. really like chill people who have interesting lives, I'm assuming. But it just seems like you just get to hang out and go on rides and just make sure they're having a good day, which sounds yeah. fun. Yeah. The one time I did the VIP tour, which was with you guys, I was like, whoa, this is pretty fucking sweet. You know, not only as an experience, but it also seemed like the guide could actually talk and be kind of a human being rather than just play some role. Oh, yeah. Well, we're chill. I'm sure there are some families who are like, we want you to like maintain the magic at all times. But oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we always get guys that don't give a shit. And we're just yeah. like, I mean, they're <laughs> right. awesome because of it. But, but we can just chat about they usually whatever. usually let us do cool stuff. Yeah. I would not say any of the ride stuff because, you know, even if you do work like Haunted Mansion or, or whatever and, and you have those benefits, when you work a ride, you have to do every position in rotation. Oh, really? Oh, shit. Yes. So, like, if you do Haunted Mansion, for example, it'll be like you work a certain part of the queue. Then you work 
load in for the elevator and then you do load in for after the elevator and then you do mm-hmm. load in for the actual dune buggies and then you do load out for the dune buggies you know and then you would just rotate that the whole day and you do right operation um, where you're actually pressing the buttons and shit so you end up doing like six jobs every day which like I guess switches it up a little bit, but like most of them are very boring. I bet, yeah. You're, you're just standing around like sweeping. I mean, if you're just putting people into cars or whatever, yeah, yeah, dude, load sucks because it's always like oh, you're I'm wrestling sure. with people because you're like, I need three, and then they're like, one, and it's like, no, no, I need three, <laughs> and there's some kid, that's no, the, yeah. three. <laughs> <laughs> that always seemed thankless. There's always some kid who won't get into the fucking car or whatever. There's all the kinds of weird things, too. There's, like, the Disney point, and, like, you can only point with two fingers like that. Uh, I still oh, do really? the Disney point. Yeah, a lot of people can't get it out of their system. That's yeah. two, two fingers. Two fingers. I mean, with or without the thumb. Thumb up is a gun. You just do this. <laughs> oh. uh, because one finger can be offensive in some languages. Yeah. Like this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The inside joke, which isn't true, but the inside joke is that it was... Walt, he was a chain smoker, so he was always pointing like this because he had a cigarette in his hand. Uh Uh-huh. Got it. I've never heard that one. That's a good one. (laughs) Well, I I was always thrown off. I had a couple, you know, British instructors over the years and then ended up in England that British people often point to stuff with their middle finger. Yeah. And the first time it happened, I was like, what the fuck is going on here? You know, some (laughs) math lecture. The guy's like, and if we integrate this, and I was like, what is is this I think a they're bit? secretly flipping you off, yeah. yeah well, it became a formative part of my psyche, obviously, <laughs> because I would go through hours at a time of getting flipped off. So I remember the thumb down thing. I had this book called You Ought to Be Me by Bud E. Love, who was a lounge singer character that oh. this guy's real actual name. My parents had this growing up and then I just stole it from them. And in the book, it's all about like how to be smooth, basically, which obviously didn't really work. But he he <laughs> said something that has always stuck with me, which is if you point at someone, you know, with the thumb up, it feels indecisive. But mm. it's like, am I pointing at you? I don't know. Maybe I'm pointing up. Who the fuck knows? But if you point <laughs> at someone with the thumb down, it feels like you're you've locked it in. And for whatever reason, I read this book probably when I was 14 or 15, and it's very comedic. It's not like an actual advice guy. It's not like some pickup artist bullshit. Like, it's all a bit. But this one bit of like, lock the thumb down, because that's how, you know, a real lounge singer points has always stuck with me as It's good advice. And now when I point, it's that in the, do you know the improv phone, the improv phone rule? No. So number one rookie mistake, if you're, you know, in an improv scene or whatever, and you answer a phone is doing the, doing this. Brian is doing the thing where he's pretending his thumb and pinky are a phone handset, but forgot to say that due to his lack of professionalism. You, you have to hold it, right? You have to hold it because it, no one would, yeah. it's not a phone. Like you pick up the phone where, you know, depends, yeah. is it a, now it's a brick, but if it's like a home phone, older phone, you're like holding the yeah. The receiver, what do you call it? Whatever. It's like a pet peeve among comedians. If someone is on stage and they're like, hello, you could hear murmurs of disapproval <laughs> go throughout the audience because oh, it's like, oh my yeah, God. I can't believe it. <sighs> but it's also one of those things. I think about this sort of thing a lot where it's like, who the fuck actually cares about this? You've just defined a weird in-group rule and are using that to pass quick judgment on people who are yeah. not like in mm. that group. And ultimately, like, do I care if someone does that? 
probably it's going to tweak me a little bit, but only because like it's been so ingrained. But ultimately, you know, it's just one of these quote unquote rules that don't actually. It's a faux pas. Yes. Feels like it's used more to exclude people. You didn't know that? Yeah. I don't care about that shit. I mean, I'll I'll do it comedically if I'm on camera or whatever. But like in real life, I don't give a shit. Like do whatever you want. I used to be very pedantic about like pronunciation and like culinary versus culinary or whatever. But that was growing up when I was an angry child. And now it's like, I get what you said. I know what you said. You don't have to say it right. 100%. I think you guys know I listen to a lot of like linguistics things, you know, and read a lot about that. And the one thing that linguists will say all the time is it's just about, do you know what the intention is? And if you do, A, they might be doing a thing that is, you know, indicative of whatever culture or subculture they're from. Yeah. So maybe it's not wrong. It's just the thing these people, you know, in that group do. So take it seriously because it's not wrong. It's just how a certain person or people speak. But the other thing is if the meaning is clear, who fucking cares? Like you don't need Mm -hmm. to judge people based on how they speak. That's a, you know, to be a little blunt, that's kind of a tool of oppression is to be like, well, you're not speaking properly. Oh shit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a position of privilege. You have the knowledge. That's right. It's important to know how to speak properly. If you want to like, move in those certain, you know, if you're, if you're a lawyer, you should know how to write legal stuff, Mm. right? Because those are the circles you move in. So you should be aware of how people speak at elevated levels or wherever you want to go. That doesn't mean that speaking a different way is, is wrong. A lot of it is just bullshit. I mean, this is just showing that knowledge is power, kids. Read those books. That's right. You know, I was in like a computer class in like middle school and they Mm -hmm. gave us this sheet that was just a bunch of random words. And then they were like, what do these words mean? And the whole class was just like befuddled because it was just random words. And uh, the answer was that if you read them out loud, it kind of sounded like Consul and Gretel or some shit. It was like no. once upon a time there was a uh, and it was supposed to be this experiment that's like, oh, computers would never know this, but humans could figure it out. Uh, oh. So it would be like if it was once upon a time, it would be like ones. Yeah, you know, yeah it, was, it was like once pond term or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you say it really fast, it sounds like the story. Right. I was always fascinated by that because I was like, I think we're at the point now where computers probably could figure that shit out. Computers oh, could absolutely. definitely figure that out. <laughs> you mumble lyrics of a song into your phone and it can figure it out. <laughs> Although today I was trying to get Siri to play something because I was driving with Audrey and I was trying to get it to understand a very simple thing I was saying, and it could not even get close. So, you know, and when you're driving with a kid and you ask for a song and it starts playing <laughs> some other song, you don't know necessarily what's going to be in that song. And, you know, oh, yeah. sometimes they, sometimes those songs go hard right away and you have to like <laughs> lunge for the volume. But my, my point is the speech recognition thing is really interesting to me. I know dictation software and it's now pretty great, but some of the like fucking phone voice recognition seems remarkably shitty. And I don't know if that's because it's processing it through, you know, the internet or whatever, or it's just bad. It seems like those things are getting worse, especially autocorrect. Weirdly, right? First of all, second word R. 
the autocorrect on typing seems like it's really, really bad lately. Yeah, I don't understand it. I just turn off autocorrect. I don't have autocorrect on anything I have. Oh, really? Yeah, I hate it. I didn't even know you could do that. It's an option, at least in, you know, Google Docs or whatever. You can turn it off. I don't know if you've ever had it on, but it, you can relate to this maybe. It hates the word tour. Like, I literally <laughs> own a touring company and yeah. I say tour so often over text. Yeah. And it still is like, did you mean your? I'm just going to change it to your. And <laughs> it's like, yes. tour is a yes. word in the context of the statement. It makes way more sense than your. I think it goes by like a ranking of like what is most likely what you said and then what people use most often. And then they go with yeah. that. But I feel like it should learn about your speech patterns, right? Yes. It does, I think. Yeah, it should be trained on your voice and what you say. I remember at least in early word processors when you would run a spell check, you know, we would encounter words all the time it didn't know, but then you could add it to the dictionary, right? And it mm-hmm. would learn it, right? And so if you were using proper nouns or whatever it didn't understand, you just put them in and then it can detect them. It should be the same sort of thing where it learns how you talk. Maybe it is doing that and it's just bad at it. But yeah, I turn it off. The other thing is its grammar filters are fucking awful. Oh, yeah. And I'm always like, yeah. I know what I mean. Like, I don't need your fucking help. Computer. Yeah, your squiggly you know, blue underline. It's so demeaning. Offends me. Especially when you can't figure out why. Almost like 10 years ago, before Game Grumps, I had a work from home job. It was under NDA, so I can't say who it was for. But I would uh, listen was it Game to- <laughs> no, not yet. Before, <laughs> Before Game Grumps, it was for Game Grumps. I, uh, I would listen to audio recordings from people's text-to-speech and then mm-hmm. transcribe them. And then I would just listen to hundreds and hundreds of these and then transcribe them and send them to this company. And they would just make sure that their computers were up to date with it. But I would hear the weirdest con- oh, conversations, you know, all kinds of sexting. Such all, as? Many, many conversations. Do you remember any? Like they were hiding a body. <laughs> I can't remember any because it was just like, you know, like a sentence out of a conversation. Yeah, yeah. Or like a minute to three minutes. But I don't think people knew that they had bits of their phone conversations recorded by major phone companies and that they were being played back and I was using them to train their AI essentially. Weird. Feels like some stupid opt-out consent thing, yeah. Yeah. You showed me a lot of those. It, it didn't feel like stuff that people were saying actively into their phone. It felt like stuff that was like overheard because you would think a lot of it would be like, hey, what's the capital of Spain? You know, like, uh, I don't know. Some of them were straight up phone conversations. Like you couldn't yeah, ever yeah, exactly. you couldn't the other person, but it was like they were like doing voice to speech text like type things. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, yeah, it was over a decade ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. And you would just. Sit at home transcribing. Yeah. I mean, they would pay me by the batch and like each batch had like 10 to 20 clips. And then I would just listen to, it was a really cushy job. It paid nice. I I mean, wish I could say more about it, but that's all I can really because of the NDA. Yeah. I think they just gave you like an FTP folder and you would just go down the list. And then when you were done, that was it. But yeah, I mean, so I'm sure they're still doing things like that to this day and still training the AIs. And I imagine that they have the capability to learn. I wonder if they aren't taking technology back a little bit, because I remember that the AirPod Max headphones, the really nice soundproofing ones, they recently had this like whole discussion about taking the soundproofing out of those or lessening them due to a lawsuit from Jawbone that Bluetooth 
audio company, they were the ones who came up with that sound dampening technology. And I guess if you play a script in the Apple programming and hit a certain sequence of numbers and it comes out the exactly the same as their programming. Oh, so it's like evidence that they took the they stole algorithm their program. or something. Oh. Yeah. So now that they are lessening the quality of the Apple Pro sound blocking because of that. So I hmm. wonder if learning has been taken out of AI capabilities in Texas Beach because maybe something just wasn't going right mm. or... Well, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, one thing in general that that reminds me of with the AI conversation, obviously, I think Layden and I talked about it briefly on here, but like AI art or AI writing or whatever is you always hear people talk about, oh, a computer did it. But really what's happening with most of this stuff is a computer is barfing out like a hundred, let's say, images. And then a human is picking out four of them and being like, these are the only four good ones. And mm. something that you know, I feel like is missing from this conversation is that there's still with a lot of these things, a very active human element. And it's not just like the computer is also automatically making awesome shit. If you put stuff into chat GPT, have you guys tried that at all? Like the AI text program? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's okay, but it's fucking clearly not a person. It's pretty dumb. Um, I was using it for a thing the other day and I was like, what are six letter words for weapons? And the first thing it says is knife. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, and I type, no, it's not. And it just went, sorry. I'm like, okay, but fucking like. At least you have humility. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, what's one thing you should be good at? It's like counting characters, the most basic thing in all of computing. So there's still so much human choice or human action that has to be put into this stuff. But I feel like not enough people talk about this in this. It feels almost like a kid. Conversation. You're you're teaching a child and you're training yeah. them how to be. And I know it's it's like super controversial to talk about the AI art. Sure. Just to be clear, we're all very pro AI art. Humans should be eliminated, oh. and computers should just draw everything starting now for the rest yeah. of time. Right. Don't pay artists. That's the official late night stance. <laughs> I don't agree with the AI artist, but also on the other hand, I think that they are very similar to humans if you look at it from a certain standpoint, because what they're doing is they're taking accumulation of their images they can find online and scraping them and creating new art, which is essentially what humans do, though. They also scrape content to create and get ideas and inspiration, and then that leads to a finished art piece. So in a way, I kind of think of AI as this like learning child who's just it's kind a of tool. doing what you're telling it to do. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think it replaces artists. No, definitely but not. I think it's an interesting tool. Yeah. And someone's going to do something pretty fucking rad with it at some point as a tool. What yeah. that's going to be, I don't know. But new tools yield new stuff. I will say as an artist, I can tell when I'm looking at a piece that's made by AI versus <laughs> one that's made by a human. Like it, it's pretty obvious. So at least yeah. to me. I don't think I have a good enough artistic eye. Although sometimes you look at stuff and you're like, whoa, nope. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, have you seen the the new AI generated images have started generating the Getty image logo in their oh, pictures? Really? Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. That That's was how really Getty funny. figured out to sue them over it because it was auto generating their logo. <laughs> That's fucking ri ridiculous. Did you ever see the, I forget who it was. Was it Megan Amram or someone uh, I think who was at some red carpet event and had a purse that said Getty images on it oh that she would just God. carry around with her. So every picture of her had the Getty Images thing. That's hilarious. On it already. 
Oh, that's yeah. so smart. <laughs> I thought that was great. I I think it was Megan Amram, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I think a lot of the stuff about AI art is just is the attitude that people who are making it have. It's very like anti artists, it feels yes. a little bit. And real like broy and annoying. Yeah, it's like they're really rude and then it makes artists feel really rude and then it becomes this pissing match and it's like all right, you know, there's a lot of cool technology in this AI stuff. There's a lot of fun stuff you can do with it, but like don't be like we don't even need artists anymore, bro. And it's like, right. Yeah. You do. Don't devalue <laughs> someone's creative work and process. Right. Yeah. I think it kind of comes down to that. This, you know, we don't need artists is maybe the dumbest thing you could possibly say. Like, yeah. no one actually, I guess some people think that. I, oh, I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of people that think that. I guess there's a lot of people that think that. I do want to say, watching my ape collection get progressively. <laughs> Lower in value has been a huge bummer over the last few weeks. So I'm hoping that turns around pretty soon. Good luck. Yeah, you know, those poor apes. Those apes are fucking cool. What can I say? They look pretty bored right now. That's the only thing. So I'm hoping they get more uh, excited. I don't know how you could be bored on a yacht. That's really what's troubling to me about these apes. Yeah, but you know, oh God, art really imitates life. And just saying, uh, just like how bored like apes are in real life. Yes. Yeah. Just like how bored I am hearing you guys talk about your apes. Uh, (laughs) I remembered, uh, you know, we were just talking about the theme parks and, you know, it's really interesting seeing how Aaron's turning that into a pitch for a new show just from his like life experiences and turning that into art. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. I realized we didn't actually say what happy land is, which perhaps we should have. So do you want to tell people what that is half an hour now since we talked about it? (laughs) Yeah. um, Third word recording. So we're doing, well, we did. uh, Did someone say the second word? I did. Yes. You did. Oh, look at that. You you slipped it past me. This is good. It's very nonchalant. I love it. I love it. So we produced a pilot. It was written mostly by Ike McIntosh, who is a staff writer at Game Grumps. A true degenerate. A uh, very, very messed up dude. It's like Hunter S. Thompson times a billion with that guy. <laughs> uh, he's wild. If you've yeah. seen him, he, he shows up every so often in videos, but he's very... Yeah, drunk. He's, he's a very cool dude. Uh, no, he's but he's best. a writer. He's the best. Yeah. And I, I wanted to give him an opportunity to write something, to head write something. And if the show got picked up, I would obviously be like, this guy needs to be attached. He's a good writer, dude. I've been yeah. very impressed. Yeah. Structurally. And I, he thinks like a cartoon sometimes, which is refreshing because I've worked with a lot of writers who write for cartoons who don't think like cartoons. They just think mm-hmm. quippy jokes. But he comes up with scenarios and like physical things that are happening in scenes that are very like animation heavy, um, which is very cool. So obviously I was, I was present for a lot of the script writing. Um, it was my idea. I came up with the characters and the premise, uh, the plot of the first episode was based on a real thing that happened to me. I ruined a piece of tram, uh, that I was driving. Oh, I didn't know that. I had no idea that was yeah. a real thing. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll yeah. tell you about that. But Lindsay and Alex Small Boo did the animation, and our boy Brian Wecht composed the music. Yes, I did, and I love doing it. It's the first thing I scored. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, and it was really, really fun to do it. That's something I wanted to do for a while, and I really appreciated the opportunity to, like, 
to write some music for it because I had a great time. Yeah, it was awesome figuring out like the tone and like figuring out what works and what doesn't and stuff. When I make cartoons, I don't ever score it. Like I, right. I, I like silent cartoons with just dialogue and sound effects. They're just funnier to me. So when it came to doing music, I was like, how can we put this in and make my brain like this? And we got to that point and I think it's fucking fantastic. So I'm really happy with the work that we all did. Yeah, it's so much fun, you know, getting in, you know, seeing it go from the script to the final thing. That such a fun process that I really have not been a part of anything like that before. You know, filming like a fucking music video or whatever is is a pretty different experience. But it, it was great. And that whole group of people rules. Lindsay and Alex are incredible. Oh, yeah, they're the best. Amazing talents. They really are the best. And they're so sweet too. Like just such Mind nice blowing. people. Yeah. Ugh. By the way, uh, fourth word, A. Oh, shit. Okay. So the premise of the first episode is the main character named Slim Jim, who is sort of like the me analog, gets a job at this backlot tour ride. And it culminates in this moment where he basically crashes the tram that he's supposed to be driving with all these customers in it or guests in it uh, because he wasn't trained properly, et cetera, et cetera. All that's true. I wasn't trained all the way. They ran out of time, and the guy who was training me was just like, whatever, and I didn't learn a position that was very important to learn. <laughs> to drive a thing. I learned the driving part. It's It yeah, was well, the right. dispatch where you're, like, pressing the buttons and sending carts out. And this is before you had, like, a driver's license, right? So you're driving a tram when you're too young to have a driver's license? Uh, no, I had, I had a driver's license. Oh, okay. So <laughs> what happened was... Sometimes just to keep the flow, because the backlot tour, there's like three different segments to it, right? There's like a there's like a show element, and then there's like the special effects element, and then there's the tram ride. So sometimes the special effects part goes a little long, and just the way that the trams move around the area, you just have to like send one out dry uh, with nobody in it just to keep it going. Mm-hmm. So when you send it out dry, you still have to drive it like you're doing the tour um, at the same pace. And usually the the spieler, they call them, who does the actual tour, uh, just gets into the... Spieler? Wow. Yeah. They get into the cabin with you, and then you can just chat while you're driving. But there's a part of the ride called Catastrophe Canyon where you go in, and there's this little show where, like, it's like, oh, what's happening? How are... And everything goes... There's a tanker truck, and it falls, and there's all these water elements and stuff, and it's supposed to be this big thing. Like, oh, we didn't plan this. But it was obviously planned. Uh, <laughs> but before you go in, there's a little traffic signal that says if it's clear or not. This is just green and red. And as I was driving up, it was green. The universal color for go ahead. Yeah. I kind of looked away. We were kind of a distance away from it. I kind of looked away from it because I was talking to the, my spieler. And then when we got there, apparently it turned red. But I didn't see that. So I just drove in. And as I drove in, it was acting weird. And then uh, you're supposed to park a certain way in the Catastrophe Canyon because each tram is supposed to line up with a panel that makes them like shake individually. Uh-huh. And I parked it perfectly. And I was like, fuck yeah, I nailed that. And then it didn't shake. And then the show didn't go off. And I was like, that's weird. And then I started hearing some chatter over the radio, which is rare. And then they, I started hearing a problem at the canyon. And I was like, uh-oh, that's where I am. And then they were like, uh, oh, we have to shut down the ride. And I was like, oh, that's not that's bad. And then they were like, a damaged <laughs> tram. And then I was like, 
<laughs> what, what are they talking about? And so I looked back and there was a giant scrape along the whole tram. And at the the entrance of the canyon, there was like a like a pencil shaving of like <laughs> the, the entire side yeah. of the tram just uh-huh. rolled up. Can open and what style. had happened yeah. was when the light turned red, the gate started closing and it closed on the tram and just shaved the, the oh whole side of the tram off. That awesome. wasn't your fault. That wasn't your fault. So we had to we had to stop the ride for the day. I got to go home early, which is great. For the day. Yeah, but they didn't fire me. They just never let me drive again, which really <laughs> pissed everybody off because it screwed with everybody's rotation for the day. Uh-huh. And they made me sign a bunch of paperwork. And on the paperwork, it said you have done $15,000 worth of damage. Uh, you have to sign here to approve that that is the case. And legally, that is something that you're aware of. So, uh, Which means what? That they could like come after you for it? or I don't know. Or maybe they just send that to the insurance company or whatever. Yeah, oh. sure. But it was amazing. I had to take like a mini class. And then they just put me back on the ride. And I don't know how I was not fired. I should have been 100% fired after that. But they, I still still did it. And then after a while, I just got bored. And every time I spieled, I would spiel about something different. <laughs> I mean, I would do the ride, but I would... My last ride I did was all about Kenny Loggins. Uh-huh. So I was listening to a lot of Kenny Loggins at the time. So I was like making up shit about all the movie props where I was like, uh, this movie prop actually was uh, was on the set of where Kenny Loggins wrote, I'm all right. Uh, so, and, and then people caught on after like the fourth Kenny Loggins trivia. They were like, I don't uh, know if this is real. This is true. But I didn't care anymore. That's great. You would chalk this up at least partially to poor training, not um, poor driving. No, that was entirely my fault. The the tram damage was totally. I was not paying right. attention, and I was a kid. Well, uh, we got him, guys. You, you heard it. He admitted <laughs> fault. So don't send the check, Disney. Go after him. Yeah. Oh no, because the thing I wasn't trained in was dispatch. So that's mm-hmm. sending the cars out on their route. And one day we were short on people, and I had to do dispatch. They would just rotate over it, which was people was like, yeah, well, all right, because people like doing dispatch. You just stand around and press buttons, but. I did dispatch one day and I was sending out cars at the wrong time and it was getting backed up and then like uh, guests were waiting in line and stuff. And then the lifer, he he came up to me as I was doing dispatch and he, he like got all whispery and he was like, Aaron, the way that you're operating things right now, um, I have to say, and then he like looked around, he was like, it's making me a little pissed off. <laughs> I was like, okay, dude. <laughs> That's awesome. Sorry. And nobody would train me. There were days That's where I was so like, will weird. somebody train me how to do dispatch? And nobody would do it. So seems like a flaw in the system, no? Yeah. It was just like they gave me the one day to learn all the positions. And then after that, it was just like, you're on your own, kid. And I worked with the guy who trained me all the time. And I was like, can you just show me how to do dispatch? And he's like, no, not today. <laughs> now I have this story in my head where so what is this 15 years ago had to have been yeah yeah something like that 15 years ago i'm at this theme park and this has happened like the day before and some guy pulls me aside and he's like 
it's time for the long con. Here's what I need you to do. Because this is exactly when NSP started. He's like, we need you to go to New York. We need you to find somebody to form a comedy band with. Now, it can't be successful right away. So you're going to wait until Aaron has a successful channel. He's going to hire your partner in this band. And eventually, you're going to move to Los Angeles. Now, I need you to wait a little bit. Not when you work for him, but later. You're going to have to start a podcast. (laughs) Wait until he writes a pilot about this. Asks you to do the music. Have him on your podcast to talk about this. Get him to admit (laughs) this was his fault. And we will pay you $1 million. To get our $50,000. Yeah, to get our (laughs) $15,000. Yeah, great. Just got to get it on recording. Just got to get it insane. happens. And this montage of this process, like, well, and now what I do now is I just walk. I, I don't even turn stuff off. Just drop the headphones, walk out, walk out on Rachel, drive, pick up a check. I mean, yeah. We got to be careful. Sure you got that we yeah. got him. That's right. We got him. I think it's time to move on to segments. Yeah. Fifth word new. Oh. The first segment in this show. Now, now, Susie, you alluded to it before. What's popping? If you fucking steal my thunder once more <laughs> during... Your tenure as guest co-host, I'm going to lose my mind. Also, what I like is that we heard you and then your echo in Aaron's mic, which was really great. Really great. I really Yeah, I feel like super that. bad for Jarek having to do he's this. Fine. He's in another room right now. Yeah. He's talented. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> you know what? I guess I can just say it is, the segment is what's popping. It is our mm-hmm. pop culture recommendation segment, which you both have participated in, Susie, in your case, multiple times. You've been on the show twice or three times? Twice, right? This is my third time now. This is your third time, yeah. So you've heard what I would call what's poppin' 1.0. Okay. Before, both in terms of the structure of the segment. Sorry, take a drink. The structure of the segment and the theme song for the segment. Yes. You know, famously, famously as any historian I'm talking to future historians here, I guess, when they're listening to this in a hundred years. When people come back and listen to this podcast, they're not going to realize that we had two whole episodes of the show before we started doing the What's Poppin' segment. Actually, I realized I said doing the What's Poppin' segment. I meant to say when we started doing the What's Poppin' segment. I think it's important mm-hmm. to keep that N apostrophe where appropriate. And on episode three, we started doing it and we kind of just fell into it. I don't think it was polished. It wasn't a full-fledged segment. It was just kind of a thing that we, we didn't realize what we were starting when we started it. And, you know, we're past episode 150 now. I believe this is 152. Wow. So you've done this bit 150 times now. And I want to be clear about this. I've never done a bit. I don't do bits. I provide experiences for the listener. It's amazing how, how you've had enough material this many times. I I also don't acknowledge the existence of material. Okay. I make art is what, is what I do. And so for uh, 2023, uh, sixth word, Starbomb for 2023, 
I've decided to to go back and kind of reevaluate priorities, as I think is good to do periodically in one's life, and talk about what makes this segment work or not work, as the case may be. Although I think that, I mean, honestly, it's firing on all cylinders, so really there's nothing to say that it's not working. Mm-hmm. But we went back, me and Layton, we sat down, you know, we got a big thermos full of coffee, knew it was going to be a late night. And we sat down and just decided to go back to basics. You know, we felt like there had been too many bells and whistles over the years. The introductions were getting like ridiculously long for whatever reason. And we decided to go back to what started working originally. We, we wanted to move past all the awards. You know, we famously won a segmenty last year for this, for this segment. Um, And yeah, it was it was a big deal. You probably saw it on our socials. Is that in the background, or do you have that on the set? Uh, you can't really see it right now. It's too big to fit inside the garage. So ah, it's it's, okay. it's the famously the the biggest award you can get. It's a it's a ten foot tall uh, solid plastic statue. Oh wow! Yeah. Why don't you just why don't you just turn it over and put it in? Well, it won't fit through the door. I mean, there's only so much <laughs> one person can do. Like, you know, I'm not I'm not I'm not a magician. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'd love to be able to to help you with that, but it's been raining a lot though. Isn't getting tarnished or something? It, it looks great. You know, that's part of what, like a true podcast segment, you let the segmenty award develop over time and establish kind of a character of its own as it interacts with the elements. It's very cool. It's very naturalistic of you. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like a Goldsworthy uh, sculpture. You know, it's meant to interact with nature. Um, so Lynn and I sat down, big thermos of coffee, uh, a couple legal pads, pencils, pencil sharpener, some really nice mm. erasers, went to Blick, you know, kind of got some good supplies. And we decided to take the segment back to its roots, so to speak, before all the glitz oh. and the glamour and the fame and the awards and the money, you know, uh, the drugs, all, all that stuff. We decided to go back to what really was making it work originally. So what I want to debut tonight, brand new for 2023, is the completely reinvented What's Poppin' segment and theme song. Oh. Yep, we have oh, a brand new theme song uh, for 2023. Debuting. This is debuting. As has been the case in the past, you cannot, you, Susie and Aaron, cannot hear the segment because we don't have the ability to play sound files. Uh, That technology does not exist yet. So you're not going to hear it. But what the listener is going to get is a full sonic experience. Uh, They're going to get something that, uh, do you know what Dolby Atmos is? Yeah. Mixing, yeah. so it's an eleven-speaker kind of thing. It's best listened to in that format. You could do quadraphonic, although you're going to miss, of course, seven out of the uh, eleven speakers. Uh, I refuse to mix it down. I just cut them out. Yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll be fine at five point one. I think. I think so too. I'm I'm optimistic. It won't be my artistic vision for the theme song, but I think it'll be good enough for the casual listener. Although we don't have casual listeners because we have on purpose driven them away from this show. Yeah. So. We're going to put the, the the theme song for What's Poppin' 2.0. I was going to say 2.0, but let's call it 2.x. 2.x. We're not going to do uh, re-releases of this until we get to the yeah. uh, Third next one. one. And this is, this is going to last until we get to three point whatever. So uh, 
This is the pop culture recommendation segment where you get to talk about a book, a movie, a video game, something you've been enjoying recently. It's called What's Poppin'? And the theme song goes uh, seventh word album. (laughs) Here. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? Excellent. Oh, man. Great. All right. Susie, what's poppin'? (laughs) So for me, I've been doing a lot of witchcraft stuff lately. Um, So I know that I get a lot of questions from people online about where to start. So I wanted to recommend Uncle Bucky's Big Blue Book. um, And it's called The Complete Book of Witchcraft by Raymond Buckland. And it is a course on Wiccan and witch things. And I really recommend it to people if anyone's interested in the occult or learning more, or even if you don't want to be a witch or involved in the occult, if you're just interested in what else is out there, that's how I got into it. Uncle Bucky's, you said? Yeah. Uncle Bucky's big blue book is what they call it in the witch community. Wow. That's awesome. But yeah, you know, books are portals into knowledge and power, and you should totally open each one and look in because you never know what you're going to be interested in. I promise you guys will find all kinds of cool things out there. Damn. That's like a book PSA going on over here. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, Reading is fun. Demental. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I too have been reading. I'm reading a book called uh, Food for Life. It's written by a fellow named Tim Spector. It's not even technically out yet. It's on ebook. It hasn't been printed yet. But it's this guy who he started an organization called Zoe. It's like a lot of food science research because we don't do a whole lot of that, surprisingly. So he's really using a lot of the data that exists and performing experiments that can have conclusive evidence on what certain foods do to our bodies. And with the main takeaway being that like, Everything that you put in your body is important. It matters. It's not just calories in, calories out. It's not just fat content. It's not just sugar content. It all affects your gut microbiome in a way. And the gut microbiome can be considered its own organ of your body. That gut microbiome stuff is fascinating. And it feels like we're just starting to really understand it. Pretty much, yeah. So since I've been boxing, today was the announce for Creator Clash. I'm in the second Creator Clash. I saw that. So I have to go down and wait quite a bit, which I already have, but I did that sort of a more traditional way and it was difficult. Right now, I'm actually just eating whole foods and I'm not even really watching what I eat in terms of like calories. That's like donuts, bagels, things like that, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Cake, pizza. Right, right. Yeah. So everything that I've been eating has been whole foods and I've just been shredding weight off and I'm so healthy and I have so much energy. It's crazy. But one of the rules, the well, the guidelines of the book is that you should have at least 30 plants a week, 30 different plants to oh, create cool. a diverse microbiome that like regulates your immune system and everything. And so I hit like 35 today, which was super dope. Look at you. Yeah, I know. And we're not even fucking halfway through the week. Come on. So it's been awesome. It's been awesome. This experience and everything that I've learned from this book has been like super helpful. And it's been really easy too. One of the things about like eating processed foods, hyper-processed foods, is you get hungrier and you crave more right. things. No. And since I've been eating whole foods, I haven't, I've just been like, oh, it's time to eat and I'll eat and then I'll be That's done. Great. And then I won't be hungry anymore. That's it's fun. awesome. Highly recommend this book. 
I was like the the Michael Pollan saying, "Eat food, not too much, mostly plants." That's like his <laughs> yeah his food saying. That always seemed to make a lot of sense. You know, it's pretty basic, but yeah, hard to do. I mean, it really opens your eyes too because I've since I've been more particular about it. You know, if we do eat out or something, you know, I'm ordering stuff where I'm like, okay, well, I'm not just gonna go for the fucking burger. What do they have here that has like plants in it? And some of this shit's just been like the most delicious shit I've ever eaten. So it's good to have that kind of diversity. And if you're not a book reader, you can just go on YouTube and look up Tim Spector. He's done a ton of interviews and a ton of talks, which give you the gist of what the book is. Oh, and uh, by the way, eighth it. word is in. Oh. In. Oh. In. Interesting. Uh, Susie, ask me what's popping. Yeah. What's popping, Brian? Well, thank you. What's popping for me, and I think this is a first on this show, is an app. Oh, my and, gosh. Uh, yeah. And it's not a game. It's just an, it's like a, I guess, a wellness app, you might call it. A friend of mine who's like very mindfulness kind of guy was posting about it yesterday. And I installed it. And I was like, where has this been all my life? It's called One Sec. Like one oh. second, one sec. Do you know about this? No. No. Here's what you do. You install it. And on your phone, you put a shortcut so that it's pretty straightforward to do, although it's a little, you know, it's a multi-step process, but it took me 30 seconds to figure it out because I'm really fucking smart. So you go through your shortcuts on your phone and every time you open up, pick your favorite social media app, it routes it through this app one sec which just has a little kind of screen that goes up. It says, take a deep breath. And then it goes down. And then it asks you, do you really want to open Twitter or whatever? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And I've had this installed for one day. Now I open up Twitter. This thing starts going up and I'm like, fuck, nope, I'm out. Not doing it. Not looking. Wow. And then twice, twice. Did I like click through to look at something? And Damn. it's so simple. It is so simple. Yeah. And it's just a moment of reflection of like, do I really want to look at this right now? And mm-hmm. yeah. the answer nearly always is no, it was just like a stupid habit or I'm like wasting time or whatever. Oh, and yeah. also one of those like fucking wake up calls where I was like, how many times did I reach for that? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. It's muscle memory. Yeah, you don't even realize you're doing it. 100%. So you can put it through any app you want. You put the shortcut. It's You have the shortcut, at least not an iPhone. It's like when you open app X, first open app Y or whatever. I'd never opened this like shortcuts thing on my phone before. I didn't even know it existed. You know, it's like little macros or whatever. And you just route it through that. And it like, it was so great. So I recommend it to, if you want to cut down on your social media use, which every single person I know does. Yeah. I could not recommend it highly enough. I don't know anything about the company, blah, 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 blah. But what the app does is great. And I've probably, instead of looking at Twitter, whatever, 20 times in the last day, I think twice. That's amazing. That's worth it. (laughs) Is great. Yeah, I feel like the adding the sort of reflective moral quandary is because I've been doing that thing where you can put in the screen time 
Yeah. You can say like, I don't want to look at this app for more than 15 minutes or whatever. And then when it, when time is up, it's just like, you can't do this anymore, but there's little buttons on the bottom. That's like, ah, just one more minute or like just 15 more minutes. It's too easy to click. And I'm always just like, whatever, 15 more minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. And then it became as much of a reflex as opening up the fucking app. Exactly. Click those one more minute, 15 more minutes. Like it didn't do me any good because it's too easy. It's too easy to click. Yeah. There are the moments where it comes up and it blocks me out and I'm like, all right, that's a good point. Rare. Uh, But, but this, this thing, when you open it up and it's just like, do you really want to fucking look at somebody else's time? It's like, uh, no, I don't No. Well, and what I found is in one day of using it, the moment that like take a deep breath thing comes up, I am just to close it and walk away. Like, (laughs) I don't don't even need to see the option because it takes like two seconds of waiting, which what a shock when you reflect on it for even two seconds. You're like, fuck no, I don't need to look at Twitter right now. Yeah. It's great. That's incredible. I love Amazing. it. Amazing. So it is time for our next segment. Now, Susie, we didn't discuss this, but would you like to, as, as my co-host, would you like to introduce the next segment that's coming up here? Well, okay. I know that on your last episode without Leighton, you skipped it. But in I memory did. of Leighton, I would totally R. like R. to reinforce it and bring yes, it back. great. Good. And that would be the segment of Peaches and Lemons. Mm-hmm. And do you want to start for us, Brian, and tell us your Peaches and Lemons? I would. For the uninitiated, can you describe what Peaches and Lemons is? Yes. So everybody has your own peaches and lemons. Your peaches are going to be the things that make you happy and bring you joy in your life, whatever you are showing gratitude for. And your lemon is going to be something that really ruins your day, ruffles your jimmies, gets your goat. You get the idea. You know what, Susie? So what we have traditionally done is we all do our lemons and then we all do our peaches. Mm-hmm. However, we can do whatever you like. <laughs> you can mix it up if you want. You're the co-host now. You get to decide. Do you want a lemon and then three peaches per person? How do you want to run this? Let's do everyone's lemons first and then we'll do peaches after that to make everybody feel better. You know, it's like one negative and two mm. positives, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So you got a lemon for us, Brian? I do. It is the most minor thing. There's a certain streaming service I use where, you know, I'll open it up on a browser and it'll say, give me a sign in option. And then I click sign in, but it already knows who I am. I'm not signing in. It goes right to the whose profile is it? Mine or Rachel's? Mm. And I'm like, and look, I'm going to drop a name here. Fucking HBO, you're screwing enough shit up already with all the stuff you're doing. If it's going to be a sign-in, make it a sign-in. Like, I'm signed in. You know who I am. I'm not putting a password in. Don't call it sign What is this? Just go right to the page. Whose profile? It drives me insane every time because I'm expecting to log in. There's a certain amount of like emotional investment I have. I'm going to have to put in my password, open up the password, all that stuff. Like, I just don't get it. So like... Take me right to that whose profile is it page if you already know who I am. Don't make me sign in again. That's my lemon. It's just a waste of fucking time and it's disrespectful. Yeah, that's that's the rage I'm talking about. What about you, Aaron? What's yeah. your lemon? My lemon is that I have been doing a lot of boxing training. And one of the things that we did to ramp up the boxing training was running. I would run uphill and I started getting really, really good at it. And it was just skyrocketing. 
of course. My yes. cardio, it was the best thing that I was doing for my workout period. I was going five sparring matches like without even losing breath. It was the coolest shit ever. And jump roping as well. Uh, I developed Achilles tendonitis as a result oh, no. of it. Oh. So I can no longer run or do anything that involves the ball of my foot hitting the ground oh. rapidly. So I hate it. And I've been doing all kinds of stuff to get over it. I got these ice socks that you wrap around Hell your feet. Yeah. And they're cold as shit. And they just, they are agony every time I put them on. <laughs> I got anti-inflammatory cream. Part of why I changed my diet was because of this. I didn't want any inflammation in anything that I was eating. And I just now started steroids to help healing. Uh, like, like medical steroids, not like injecting steroids. <laughs> there is truly nothing more frustrating than the being in a workout regimen that's going really well and then injuring yourself and being like, well, fuck. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. you're on the track for wellness and then you hurt yourself trying to do well. Yeah. That's yes. not fair. Yeah. And I don't want to make it seem like I'm not doing well at the, like we're, we found other ways to do the cardio and I'm like coughing and wheezing but the running, man, it was fun. I liked it. It was nice to see the number go up. Yep. It was just like, it was perfect. And that darn Achilles tendonitis sucks ass. That's my lemon. Yes, wow, does. Aaron. That's a good one. That's a really good lemon. You know, my lemon is just, it's a really bad one. I know that, you know, Brian brought the rage with his and you had, a you know, a real medical issue with yours. But my lemon is something that I know a lot of other people can relate to and it's a big issue and it is that there are 280 days until Halloween still. Yes. Um, is, and it's, it's a lot of people sad. struggle with this. I'm like listening to Halloween playlists. Like I'm trying to drag myself out of bed. There's no pumpkin spice in any stores anymore. Like how am mm. I supposed to go? Like there's no motivation. <laughs> I have no drive. Like we just threw away our pumpkins like two days ago. I know, like, yeah, no more pumpkins, no more Halloween. Got to wait 280 more days. That's a bummer. That's my lemon right now. I love it. It is yeah. a bummer. <laughs> That's the best lemon there is. All right, but you know what? That's okay. We don't have to be sad. Like, Brian, you know, we're going to go around to some peaches. Do you have, a, you know, two or three peaches to share with us? Maybe we can get over the sourness. I do. Peach number one. Is this what I want to talk about? Speaking of one, that's our ninth word. One. What? Ninth word. One more I'm word. not going to repeat it. I'm not going to repeat it. I'm not going to repeat it. Peach number one uh, went on a field trip with Audrey's school today. I was one of the parent chaperones. We went to Descanso Gardens in Pasadena. Oh, I love Descanso Gardens. It's a great place. Uh, it was a joint third grade and kindergarten trip because the third graders have kindergarten buddies. And it was very cute. And the kids had a great time. And it was just fun to just chat with other parents, see cute kids being yeah. cute. The most popular part was the koi pond in the Japanese garden. And mm -hmm. the kids were all like making up the backstory of these koi you know, and how they were in love and everything. It was great. You got to do that. The light up the night shit at Descanso Gardens, by the way. We have. We've been to the holiday lights and it, those are fucking great. Like it's very, very impressive. Peach number two. While Layton is out of town for a little bit, we are babysitting maybe. At our place. Oh. And we get to spend time with a lovely little dog to dog sit. So I think that's great. She's a noble little beast. Yeah. Yes, she is. I love her. 
And my third peach is uh, we have, can I say this? This is a big announcement. Uh, we have finished writing the next Ninja Sex Party album. <gasps> oh, my oh, my God. God. As of Several yesterday. Several big reveals in this, in this episode. Holy yeah, cow. that one. That one I just uh, dropped in your lap right there. I would never oh space it or reveal that big oh out. So uh, we are on track for a new, new NSP original album this year. Ah, oh, that's amazing. As of, literally as of yesterday. Can you give us any hints? Well, actually, we're. you know what? Here's something I'll say. We're going to have a new music video out in a couple of weeks. New original song. And that's with that, that soon, we're going to drop a single and we'll announce the album title and everything with that. So. It's awesome. Amazing. Congratulations. I can't yeah. wait. All right. Those are my peaches. Uh, Susie. So if you guys don't know, I run a store called Psychic Circle Oddities, and it's been doing pretty well. Uh, you know, that's one of my peaches. I love my store, working on that. Very grateful for that. My other peach is that my cats are healthy. Love my kitties. I have three cats. You can find them on my Instagram at Mortimer. And then my third peach is oh, I goodness. got... These are fast peaches. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got to get into the third one. I got a 3D laser cutter. You did not. Called a Glowforge. And it is for cutting and engraving wood and just basically uh, making anything that you can imagine. So I've been having a lot of fun with that and just like making things for my store and like I can make things like say for example a Ouija board like I could just like cut the wood and then wood burn all of the letters on it and stuff so it's just it's it's magic in a box yeah I love it so that's one of my peaches all of my peaches fantastic (laughs) I love it Aaron close us out here with three peaches three whole peaches first peach went to the doctor the other day that wasn't the peach the peach was the results Mm. damn he said I was an A an A. Wow. Oh, yeah. Got the blood tests, got everything done. And he was like, you are one of the healthiest people I've ever had in here. What? There's nothing wrong with you. You are in tip top shape. Your cholesterol is outstanding. Love everything is great. Look at you in the prime of life, too. I was on cloud nine for the rest of the day because of that. I was like, I'm healthy as shit. I fucking texted my parents and I was like, thanks for giving That's me great. good genes, baby. I love it. I voiced a texted it and I had to rewrite jeans because it thought it, <laughs> my parents gave me a pair of blue jeans. <laughs> Second peach. I have committed to that I am making pasta from scratch tomorrow. Look at you. And I'm very excited about that. By hand or with a maker? Well, both, I guess. I mean, you do a lot by hand, but then, well, I do have a noodle knife, so I could cut them myself. You could. But I was thinking of just using the yeah, that's between thing. you and God. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so that's going to be fun. Get a little semolina, turn it into a nice pasta dough, flatten it out, cut it into little strands. And I was going to dry it, but I didn't really have time tonight. So maybe I'll do it in the morning tomorrow or something. I don't know. Anyway, cool. point right. is, it's going to be fucking delicious. Yes, it so is. So that's my second peach. And my third peach is Creator Clash was announced today. Hell yeah, it was. And that was, that was very exciting. All the fighters are so excited, and we were all rooting each other on. I saw Alana versus yeah. uh, Mika, Mika, right? Yeah. That's the fight I'm most anticipating, honestly. That, I think that's going to be the craziest fight. Marisha Ray is fighting from Critical right. Role. Um, who's oh, she wow. fighting against? 
Haley, Yodeling Haley. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. She fought last year. Yeah. There's just so many creators coming back from last year and then new ones. And I think there's three different women's fights this time. So, yeah. Like, Great. It's going to mm-hmm. be really big. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. It was so much fun I last year. I, I did not think that I would enjoy it as much as I did. So if you're not a boxing fan, you will still enjoy it. I can promise you that. That's awesome. Yeah. It, all the fights are so interesting and fun and strange. And I think this year it's going to be even more. There were a couple fights last year that like they were a little mismatched. Um, you know, I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> but uh, this year I feel like uh, they're all pretty even. Um, although I'm, of course, going to obliterate Jarvis, uh, just absolutely course. destroy his face. Yep. So um, that'll be the only mismatch. It is but. known. Right. That's just because of talent. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm stronger. I'm faster. Uh, quite frankly, more handsome. So, uh, you know, bring it on, Jarvis. It's not a lie. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're going there. We're going full <laughs> on Andre the Giant. We got Son of John versus Son of Hans. So this is going to be wow. some real epic stuff. Indeed. Amazing. Let me ask the question that everybody is thinking about. Is there a dad Matt Watson rematch this time so around? So dad this year is fighting AB, who AB fought Hundar um, mm-hmm. and lost. So it is a winner versus a loser match, uh, which is very interesting. And That's I great. think this is a really good matchup. I've fought dad before. I have not fought AB, but he showed a lot of his fighting ability in that ring. And it's been, what, four or five months since that. Uh, so I think it's going to be a really interesting show. Is it at the same location as last time or is it moving elsewhere? No, it is the same company. So last year it was the Yingling Theater. Um, still a Yingling Theater, but it's called the Amelie Arena. It's a 20,000 mm. seater. The oh same Jesus. capacity as Madison Square Garden. So In Tampa? Yes, it is in Tampa. That's crazy, dude. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's going to be insane. Apparently, there's two working Tesla coils in this venue. And who's going to use one as a weapon? That's great. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Well, listen, this was a fantastic episode of Late Night with Brian Wex. Susie, thank you for stepping in as a co-host for a run of episodes here. It's the beginning, but we're going to do a lot more fun ones. Ah, It's my pleasure. Aaron, thank you for for being back um, on the show. Now, normally, Susie uh, Layton ends the episode. So as as co-host, I'm going to give you the opportunity to close us out here in any way you see fit. I just want to say I hope everybody has an amazing time living your lives. I hope that you guys do things that bring you joy, uh, that nourish yourselves and have fun with your inner child and enjoy other people. And also the last word in our sentence is month. There we go. (laughs) I hope you all have a good rest of uh, your day and we'll see you next time on Late Night. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) Late Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore night, or email us at leightonnight at gmail.com.